just as we're worshipping then, I just had this picture in my mind of the Israelites as they're walking through the divided sea, that the walls of water on each side were built up and God led them through the sea on dry ground. I just had this, this picture come to mind and just felt like God was saying that there's someone here today that you feel like you've been, you've been following God's leading through the waters. It's been amazing to, to see what God's doing in your life. But as you've been walking that path that God's got you on, it, you've, you've begun to see the walls of water around you and think, oh my goodness, it looks like it's all going to come crashing down on top of you. And, and you're feeling overwhelmed by the, the things that are happening and you can see these, these walls of water that look like they're going to come crashing down upon you. But I just feel God saying this morning that trust in where God is leading you. Trust that He loves you. Trust that He knows you. He will not allow those, those things to crash down upon you and wipe you out. He will not allow them to, to flood you and, and, and take away your life. He knows you. He's leading you. And He wants to continue to lead you through, not just to the other side, but to the promised land into the abundance of life that He has for you, into the fullness of life, into eternal life. He will not allow the enemy or anything to come against you and rob you of what He has for you. As you keep your eyes on Him, continue to, to take one step at a time. Those walls of water are still there maybe, but trust that He's going to lead you step by step to the other side. He's leading you out of Egypt, out of captivity, out of bondage, into freedom and life for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. Thank you, Jesus. Look, God, I just pray for whoever that might be this morning. Maybe there's multiple people here today that are just feeling overwhelmed by those things happening around them, Lord Jesus. I just pray this morning that you would speak to us by your Spirit. That, Lord Jesus, you would bring encouragement and, and, and life to those people. That, Lord God, they would know the freedom that you died to set them free to have. Lord God, we just thank you for helping us to stand together as your body, as your church, as your bride, that we would be one body, building each other up, encouraging each other all the more as we see that day approaching. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. But Lord, you'd help us to see you bigger this morning, Lord. The Lord, those things around us would fade away. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you for your amazing love. Lord, we've been singing about your reckless love, that love that seems so much more than we deserve. And we just want to say thank you today, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. We have an amazing God who knows us and cares about us. And uh, I pray that you're feeling encouraged even this, already this morning. Um, God is so good. He, he knows us. He loves us. He understands your situation and where you're at today and what's happening in your life. Um, I just want to say thank you again to all those who helped out on Wednesday for Clary's funeral service. Uh, many of you would know Clary and Anne, who were here for many years as, as a part of this church, and it was a real honor to be able to, to honor Jesus as we celebrated his life together. And uh, for all those that came, so many just said thank you to all the team. Um, 
I was at the graveside first, there was a special family time together at the graveside and just driving up to church and I saw these two guys out the front with these fluoro vests on, sort of waving me in and saying, come this way, we, and feeling welcomed even as I drove up the, uh, up the road and uh, seeing those guys out there and as we came in and people welcoming us at the door. And just for everyone in the church that was uh, supporting and welcoming the family and friends that came that day. I believe it was a, a real witness for God and our, our love for our, our, our church family, but also our community around us. And I just want to say thank you um, for that. Um, I, thought, I thought, I wonder if we could have people out there every week welcoming people into church. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe if, you, if, if that's you, come and see me. Anyway, um, I, uh, I missed mentioning last week too that um, Maureen Peddler, who many of you may know, uh, Ken and Maureen were the pastors here before Dave and Jenny, Maureen passed away uh, just the week, week before last. Um, I just wanted to make sure you knew that. And uh, I came into the church when Ken and Maureen were still here for a short time and didn't get to know them really well. But just they're always such an encouragement. I know that was such an encouragement to those who had been here for many years before me. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for Maureen's life. Um, thank you, Lord. One of the stories that was shared on, on Wednesday at the funeral... Um, Lots of stories told, but um, there was one story that just struck my mind because I guess it was in line with what I've been thinking about for this morning. And it was um, Graham, Clary's son, was sharing about uh, when Clary was going for a new job at one stage. And he was going for this new job, but he had to go and do a maths exam, like maybe some of our young people are about to do. Um, God bless these guys as they do exams. Um, and he's going to go for this new job, but he has to do this maths exam, and it, apparently maths was not Clary's favourite thing. I didn't know that, but uh, Clary was quite nervous about this maths exam, and uh, I was actually talking to the, the person after the service who was r running that maths exam for him, and who said to him, Clary, I'm sorry, but time's up. <laughs> and he said to me, as, as Clary walked out of that room, he he sort of put his paper down and shook his head and said, uh, and I could just see Clary doing that. I, I've seen that, that shake of the head thinking, oh, the hand up to the head. And I thought, how often do we doubt what we can do? As human beings, how often do we doubt what we can do? I mean, maybe sometimes we overestimate what we can do, but I wonder how often we, we doubt what we can do. We get worried about the things that we're needing to do. Maybe exams. Maybe there's some decision you need to make. We can get so anxious about the things in our lives that we have to do. Sometimes it's not even the things we have to do. Sometimes we get anxious about what people will think of us. I put myself in Clary's position. I'm going for this job. I have to do this maths exam. What will people think if they find out I didn't pass the maths exam? Sometimes it's not even, even the question of can we do what we're trying to do, but how will we feel if we fail? And sometimes we, we're so worried about what people will think about us, but in reality, I think 99% of the time, people aren't thinking about what they think of you. They're thinking about what you think of them. So when you start to get worried and thinking, oh, what do they think about me? I think they think I'm a horrible person. They think, they think I'm no good. They think I'm not good enough at that. Take a step back. Take a deep breath and, and ask God to help you realize, well, A, they're probably not thinking about you anyway. They're probably thinking about themselves. And then say, God, please help them not to be too worried about themselves and let us all get along and bless each other and encourage each other. 
Does that sound good? Because we can get so anxious, we can get so tied up in knots, we can get sleepless nights, we can get so anxious and upset and worried about these things. And through that process of worrying about the, the, the decisions, the processes, the, the things we have to do, what people are thinking, we stop trusting God. Even as Christians, we can know God, we can know Jesus died for our sin, and we can get our eyes set on so many different things other than what God is saying. You know, the crazy part is, as we choose to not look to God, as we choose to not trust Him and focus on our worries, our fears, our anxieties, all those other things, we stop trusting God and we actually begin to blame God. We stop trusting Him, we get anxious, we get worried, we get angry, and suddenly we think God has abandoned us. I'm saying this because maybe just a little bit, sometimes I might have even done that. You read through the Psalms, you read, about, you read the Psalms and they're saying, God, why have you done this? Why have you allowed this? But praise be to God, most of the time in the end of the Psalm it says, but I will put my trust in you. This morning I want us to look at how God relates to us, what God desires, what he, what he wants us to know about how he thinks about us. How God relates to us. We, he's, yeah, well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. I don't want to say too much just yet. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you've got your Bible there, I want to encourage you to open up. We're going to read a few different passages this morning. Philippians chapter 4. It's a great chapter of the Bible. If you haven't read through Philippians from cover to cover of Philippians, it's only a few chapters. I encourage you to read through Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 to 9. I've asked you to flick there, so I'll let you turn the pages. Here, if you're flicking still. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church so you can open it and underline it and circle things. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Now right there, I just want to stop and remind ourselves that this life is so short. I'm 35 years of age. I can't believe it. I'm so old. <laughs> Some of you are shaking your head and waving your finger at me. <laughs> Don't you dare say that, Andrew. But I'm, a, I'm 35 years old. If I live to 70, my life is half gone. I mean, 70, that's very young, isn't it? Some of you are saying, amen, brother. <laughs> I'm 35 years old. If I live to 90, I'm more than a third gone. You know, Rochelle and I were talking about the other day, and our daughter is about to turn 10. If she leaves home at the end of year 12 and goes off to uni or something, her time in our home is over half gone. I am in fear and trembling. <laughs> our life is so short. That... that that sentence there, remember, the Lord is coming soon. We do not have to fear what other people think about us. You do not have to fear what you think about yourself. But God, who is our judge, He is our, he's our, our God in heaven, who rules and will judge all people. He is coming soon. This life is so short. It will be over in the blink of an eye. 
2018 has been over almost in a blink of an eye. I'm getting a daily countdown of how many days till Christmas at home in the morning. I have breakfast and I get a countdown and I think, oh God, please help me. <laughs> Remember the Lord is coming soon. In other words, don't get your eyes so fixed on this life and what's happening today and tomorrow and what you're worried about next week and next year, but the Lord is coming soon. This life will be over and we will enter into eternity and all people will enter into eternity. Let's always be full of joy in the Lord, knowing that our hope is in Him, that we have an eternity waiting for us in Him, that we don't have to fear death, but we can have joy that we know that no matter what trials we face in this life, that our God loves us and He cares about us. Let's continue reading. Verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. We've just taken communion and celebrated, remembering what the core of our faith is in, that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. That we will not be judged as we deserve, but He has set us free from the power of sin and death. Thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Even in the chaos, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to live in Christ Jesus? It means to keep our eyes fixed on what He's done for us, to continue to think about what He's done for us, to to. to, to to know that we are new creations in Christ, to remain in Him, to follow His ways. I run in the path of your command for you have... Fantastic. Psalm 119, verse 32. It's the verse of the year, I think. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise then the God of peace will be with you. You know, God wants to help you. God desires to help you in this life and for eternity. Jesus came to set you free, that you may have life eternally. God wants to help you. That might be a revelation that some of us need to have today, that God wants to help you. I wonder, who are you thinking about today? Are you thinking about what other people are thinking about you? Are you thinking about what you think about yourself? I'm no good, I can't do that, whatever. Or are you thinking about what God says about you? God wants to help you. God's love is for you. Even if you're here for the first time this morning and you've never thought about God in your life before you, His love is for you. And I encourage you this morning to thank God for what He's done for you. Last night I was in Melbourne with the, the youth 
And it was awesome. At Youth Alive, I don't know how many thousand people were there. Four, five thousand young people. And I've got to say that the, the, the pinnacle of the night for me and the, the, the time where it just seemed like everyone in the whole crowd was just engaged in that moment when was, we were just lifting up the name of Jesus after the message had been given, people had responded to the message, hundreds and hundreds of young people, and we're just praising God and thanking Him for what He has done for us. And in that moment, I think people's lives were set free. When we focus on what He's done, when we lift up our thoughts to Him, and we thank Him and we praise Him for who He is, we don't have room in our brains to think about the, the, the challenges and the troubles that are happening in our life. Let's thank Him for what He's done for us. God wants to help you. Psalm 103, verse 10 to 22 says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. We have all disobeyed God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of His glorious standard, the Bible tells us. Verse 11 for His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender. Do you think of God as a tender, loving Father and compassionate to those who fear Him? For He knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass that grows so fast and has to be mowed so quickly. Sorry. I saw grass and thought, oh my goodness. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains, how long? Forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to His covenant, of those who obey His commandments. You know, I was talking to one of the young people last night on the, on the bus down to Youth Alive, or on the way back, I can't remember, and they were telling me about a friend of theirs who was saying that Jesus didn't live a, sinful, a sinless life. And she's saying, well, how, can, how can you say that? Why do you think that? And she said, well, I know the Bible a little bit. And she said, I know that time when Jesus was, um, there was, there was a, a woman caught, caught in adultery. And then Jesus said, the one without sin, throw the first stone. And he didn't throw a stone, so he must be guilty. And thank God this young person in our youth ministry said, actually, that's not the point of the story. That's not the point of what Jesus was saying and doing. Jesus didn't throw a stone, not because he had sinned and couldn't. It's because he's saying God doesn't stand waiting to throw stones at us. God is not an angry God that just is longing for that moment when we trip up to go, Ah, gotcha! He's not waiting to throw stones at you. He loves you. He's not going to treat you harshly. He loves you. He is tender and compassionate and He waits for us to come to a realization of our sin and repent and surrender our lives to Him. He's not a God waiting to throw rocks at people. 
I think sometimes we don't do well at communicating that to people, but God is not an angry God who wants to slay people and knock people out. He loves people. He loves you. Praise God, our young people know that too. Romans chapter 12. Sorry, yeah, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 5. I just want to share this too. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I want to say this morning, be honest with yourself. Think with sober judgment, it says. We shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but we also shouldn't think any lower of ourselves than we ought. God loves every one of you. He loves you as you are. And we shouldn't think we're any better than anyone else, and we shouldn't think we're any worse than anyone else. We should think about ourselves with sober judgment. We belong to the whole body. Every part has a different function and God knows what is best for us. I think we can be tempted sometimes to look at someone else and think, oh, I want to be like them. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be like that person. And like I said before, we can get anxious and we can get upset because we can't do something as well as someone else and we think we know good because we're comparing ourselves to that other person. But I want to encourage you this morning to be honest in your estimation of yourself that maybe that's not what God's called you to do. We are all different people with different gifts and different abilities and different strengths and different callings in God. We shouldn't look at someone else and say, I want to be like them. We can be inspired by each other. We can be encouraged by each other. But don't try and be somebody else. I would encourage you to think about who has God called you to be and how can you grow in the, into the fullness of that. I heard a story about 12, no, actually, no, it's a lot longer ago. Uh, Luke was there and uh, it was a story about a guy who was a pastor of a church and um, there was a guy in his church who really felt God had called him to, to bless the church and to sow into missions and he owned a, owned a coffee shop, and one day he, he said to the pastor, would you come and bless my coffee shop and, and pray over my coffee shop so that we can, I can, be, we can be so fruitful and give freely to the mission of God? He's like, sure, yep, no worries, we'll come, we'll come and pray. Anyway, so this day comes, and he goes down to find this coffee shop. He's got the address, he finds the address, and he's sort of looking around, he's going, where is this coffee shop? And finally he sees this little alleyway. He's like, surely it's not down there. He looks down the alleyway, it's a little bit dark, and he sees this little sign that's a little bit broken. It looks like it's been there a hundred years. And he goes, oh, there's the coffee shop. So he walks down the alleyway and goes into the coffee shop, and uh, the first thing he notices is the country music playing. Um, some of you might say, fantastic. He didn't think so. Um, he walks in the door, and he, he sort of notices the windows are a little dirty, and it sort of looks like it's closed, but he, he goes in anyway. And he, he looks around, and he... What's that smell? He sort of smells this strange smell in the air. And he notices these plastic tablecloths over the tables. 
And he's sort of thinking, oh, okay, it's all right. And he walks in and he, he finds the guy who's asked him to come and pray over the coffee shop. And he, he's like, oh, g'day. Oh, thank you for coming. We so need God's blessing right now. And the pastor's there going, what do I pray, Lord? How do I pray over this coffee shop? And his, the thought in his mind was, can God bless a bad coffee shop? Because <laughs> he's starting to have a few concerns. Anyway, he sits down and the guy says, oh, just wait a moment. We'll get you a coffee. What, do you, what would you like? He's like, no worries, yep. And he goes over to the person making coffees and says the order and the person's looking at the coffee machine, sort of like, uh, what do I do? Uh, looking a little bit nervous as they do things and the coffee machine's sort of not making the normal sounds of normal. It's a normal coffee machine. And the, the person making the coffee is looking a little concerned and unsure of themselves. And the coffee comes and it's a little different as well. Um, and this guy's there thinking, is this the calling that this guy has for his life? <laughs> anyway, cut a very long story short. I, um, he prays over the business and says, look, how about you close the business for a day and we just go and visit some other coffee shops? And the guy's like, but we can't close the shop. We need every cent we can make it right now. We're going broke. He's like, well, I don't think it'll make a big difference if we close the doors for a day. And anyway, they go and visit some other coffee shops. They see how some other people do things. And he's like, and they go in, and they, the first shop they go into, he orders a coffee and the owner of the cafe sort of says, oh, I actually don't drink coffee. And he's like, okay. Anyway, the other guy orders him one already anyway. and He drinks the coffee. He's like, oh, I like this coffee. This is good. This is different. He's like, oh, my machine doesn't make that noise. And he, he starts to see all these little things that, that other people are doing that he hadn't yet done. And that, to try and shorten the story a little bit, um, <laughs> over some months, God grows this guy and it becomes a very fruitful coffee shop and he changes a lot of things about the shop. And it's a, a fruitful and blessed business, praise be to God. God can turn things around in our life as we seek counsel and godly encouragement and wisdom. And maybe sometimes in our life we're trying to do something and it feels like it is just not working and we're thinking, God, can you bless my life? And sometimes there's some things in our life that needs to change. If we're living completely contrary to God's word, we are not going to live a blessed life. There are natural consequences to disobeying God's commands. And we need to be open to godly encouragement and to, to be shown at times when we are not walking God's ways. And God can turn us around and sometimes he'll redirect us and say, actually, you know what, That's like, that, that life you're trying to live, well, I want to just redirect you a little bit. But God is the one who knows us. God is the one who knows us best. Psalm 139 Verse 13 to 16 says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, God's work in you is wonderful. You are a wonderful creation of God. Sorry. We'll go back to the last one. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows you. 
He understands you. He, he, he understands what you are like, what you're capable of, what you are called to do. He created you. He gave you life. And he knows every day that you will have. I pray that we can have revelation of that, that God knows you best. He knows you better than you know yourself. Before the foundation of the world, He knew you and every day ordained for you. Some people talk about ministers and pastors being ordained, but your life has been ordained for God. Your life is to be lived for the glory of God, wherever you go, whatever you do. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 11 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Now we can rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord, remember. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. God has brought reconciliation between us and Him. We can have relationship with Him. We can not only just know about Him, we can not just know about His love, but we can have relationship with Him. We can know what He thinks about us. We can bring our worries and our cares and our requests before Him and know that He cares about us. He has made us friends with God. He's made you his friends. John chapter 15, verse 9 says, Jesus speaking, he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. That sentence makes me think, if Jesus commands us to remain in his love, I think there's a chance that we can not remain in his love, that we can walk away from his love. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. God is not a God who throws rocks at people. He's not a God who wants to gather slaves. He gathers people and wants them to know his love for them, that they could become his friends. People that know him and are known by him. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. You might feel like you've messed it all up sometimes. You might feel like, how could God still love me? But it wasn't your choice in the beginning that restored your relationship with God. It was what God has done for you. 
He chose to come and die on a cross for your sin. And yes, sometimes we stumble, we fall, we mess up, but He chose us. He will not abandon us. He's always faithful. He says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Just think back for a moment about... I don't want to bring it up here. I'm telling you not to focus on it, but that exam, that decision... That thing in your life at the moment that you're tempted to be anxious or afraid about. Just think back to that thing at the moment. We get anxious. But if we know that God is for us, if we know that He'll never leave us or forsake us, that He is our friend, He knows us and He loves us, that He's not angry with us and wanting to throw stones at us, if we remember these things, We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. Day by day, if we can remind ourselves that God is for me, my God is the one who rescued me from my sin. He's with me and will never leave me. He's my friend. He knows me and he loves me. And this life is so short and he's rescued me for eternity. We do not have to be afraid in this life. Trials and troubles will come and it won't be nice at times, but we don't have to be afraid. If we understand that He knows us, He he understands what we need, even if things don't go the way that we'd hoped, we can know that He will make a way forward. He can and He will make a way forward. Maybe as I shared this morning, that maybe you feel like you're in that that, that valley on, the, on the, the dry ocean floor and it feels like the waves are about to come crashing down. He will make a way forward. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 to 20 says, For I'm about to do something new. So I've already begun it. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me and the jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I'll make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. You know, even in the middle of a desert, God can bring a river of refreshing. Even in the turmoil of the situation you might be going through, God can bring a way forward and refreshing for you day by day. God is able and he desires to help you and lead you forward. One that is our is our trust in him. Maybe you're thinking, but but you don't understand the the situation that I'm facing right now, Andrew. There are there are situations, there are times and seasons in our life when it, it seems so hard. It, it and we do, we wonder, God, why have you allowed things to happen this way? But I want to encourage you that God is love. God is love. You might be questioning how God could be loving in the situation you're going through, but God is love. If you read 1 John chapter 4, actually read the whole book of 1 John and read about His love. If that's you today, if you're, if you're struggling to see the love of God, read through that book of 1 John. 
God is love. And the situations you face, as we read in Romans 8, it doesn't mean He loves us any less if we're going through troubles and hardships. It doesn't mean He loves us any less if we're anxious and and, and worried about things, but He calls us to say, come to me, trust in me, and let me refresh you. He wants us to have relationship with Him and know that He is for us and not against us. I wonder, are we coming under His command and rule? Are we coming under His love and allowing Him to love us? I wonder if... Any of us here have wanted to have relationship with sometimes, but that person hasn't reciprocated those feelings. Um, I remember a time of trying to work out whether Rochelle thought I was a, a great friend or something more. It's like, I would love to have relationship with you more. But unless it's reciprocated, you can't have that relationship. And God cries out to us, will you come to me? Will you allow me to love you? Will you allow me to strengthen you and help you through the challenges that you face? Day by day, will you open my word for you and be encouraged by what I have done through all humanity and what I want to do for you? I saw someone use the illustration once of an umbrella. And we can choose to stay under that umbrella of God's love or we can walk out of it. We can leave that place of His love or will we come under His command? Will we come under His love? Will we allow Him to speak to us? Will we stop and pray and say, God, what do I do? Or do we get angry with God in the place that we find ourselves and and not listen to His love? I want to finish this morning by just reading uh, from Genesis chapter 3. I think we've got on the screen. Just before I read it, there's a saying that I I try not to use sayings too often because sometimes they can sound corny, can't they? But the saying that Jesus is Lord of all or he is not at all is so true. Jesus is either Lord of all your life or he is not Lord of your life at all. If there is anything in your life that was taken away and you, that would make you say, God, I, I can't love you anymore, we have to ask ourselves, is he truly Lord of our life? And as, as painful as that is, as, as hard as that is, he's got to be Lord of all or he is not at all. And I want to encourage you this morning, before I even read this passage, just to surrender where you are and what is going on in your life. Surrender all of your life to Him this morning. I know in my life there's been times uh, breaking my back. I I had questions. I I said, God, this is painful. (laughs) Losing our first baby before they were even born, it's, it's a painful thing. And, and there are so many challenging things in this life that we can go through. But Jesus has got to be Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all in our lives. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. This is when Adam and Eve are in the garden and the serpents come to them and deceive them with the, the fruit and they've taken it, they've eaten it, and they've realized their nakedness. 
and they've tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves. And then it says in verse 8, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He said, Where are you? Now, the all-knowing God didn't need to ask where they were. He knew exactly where they were. But in our brokenness, in our shame, in our anxiousness, in our anger, in our realization of our sinfulness, we can run and hide. We can be angry at ourselves. We can be angry at God. We can be angry at other people. And we hide. But I, I believe God would say to us today, where are you? Not so that he can find us, but so that we would stop and consider, am I hiding from God? Is there any area of my life that I am just not willing to surrender and be honest and humble before God and say, God, this is me. I'm sorry for my sin. But please, I, I need your love. Adam and Eve hide because they're scared of God seeing the, their nakedness and discovering that they've sinned. But he already knows. There's nothing we can hide from God, but will we come before him and humbly surrender and say, God, here I am. This is me. I need you, God. I need your love. I thank you for your love. Will we allow his love to fill our lives, to let the love of God lead us and fill us, that we would always be full of joy in the Lord as we think about him? Ask the band to come just as I pray now. Actually, I was going to read too. Habakkuk chapter 3. Uh, during Clary's funeral service, one of the verses he asked us to read was Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Now I started with that story about Clary and him doubting whether he could do that exam. But you know, his trust was in a God who he knew could lead him through no matter what. His joy was in God, his Saviour. And we can have strength in our Sovereign Lord. I want us to stand this morning. I'd just like to pray. You don't have to come forward this morning if that's you, but can we stand? Well, God, even as we stand right now, I just pray that, God, you would strengthen us physically, Lord God. Lord Jesus, if there's people here today that are just struggling with their physical bodies, Lord God, I just pray that you would bring healing in Jesus' name. That, God, you would give them grace to go forward, that you would make a way forward, that they could go forward freely without limitations in their physical body. Lord God, I pray for those whose emotions are so, they're in pain today, Lord God. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would set them free from those pains, those things. And Lord, that you would lift their eyes to you and see your love for them. Lord God, and spiritually this morning, Lord Jesus, we just thank you that through the cross, through what you have done for us, we are free. The chains are broken. And we long to live for your praise and for your glory, God. I just pray this morning that you would help us, Lord God, to every day wake up and think about and meditate upon your love for us. That we would know that you are not a God who wants to throw stones at us, Lord God, but you're a God who loves us and cares for us and wants to lead us forward. I just pray, Lord, this morning that you would help us to surrender all of our lives to you, God. God, I thank you for the peace that comes even as we do. And I just pray that peace would just flood every heart here today. And Lord Jesus, even as that peace comes, as we surrender, Lord, that Lord, joy would begin to bubble up. Joy would just begin to rise. That we are your children, that you call us your friends. You don't treat us as we deserve but your love is for us. We thank you and we praise you today, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Help us to be the church that you desire. Help each one of us to be the, the part of your body that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. We're going to finish this morning by, by focusing on him, on lifting him up. And if you've been struggling, let's sing this song with all our heart and believe that His peace, His joy will come in our heart. You were the Word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is, this name of Jesus, that gives us hope and life for eternity. Let's sing it together.